Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com. I believe the Lord wants to be very strategic today. And He gave me a word, and He wants to reveal to you the path to greatness today. That's what the Lord told me. He says, show them the path to greatness. And I said, okay, what is the path to greatness, Lord? And he was kind enough to show me. So <laughs> grateful for that. Uh, <clears throat> we're going we're gonna, to, I just really want you to get with the program here. All right. You're made to be great. <laughs> yeah. See the silence there. That's why I'm talking about it. Yeah. You're made for greatness. You are. You absolutely are. The church, especially the Western church has a real problem with this. We think greatness is uh, synonymous with pride and arrogance, but it's not. It's not. You should not fear being great. You should fear making others feel as though they're not. You shouldn't fear doing great things for God. You should fear making others feel like they don't have the chance to do that, and they aren't great, and that they aren't to die for. I'd love to break it to you. You're to die for. You're pretty great. If all of heaven went bankrupt for you, then what is your worth and value? If Christ was the redemption price that was paid for you and me, if that's the price that was paid, then how expensive are you? Are you following me? Man, what, what's better in heaven than Jesus Christ the righteous? What's better than God himself? Nothing. So <laughs> you're pretty awesome. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I'm going to prove it to you. Now, listen, like I said, don't fear being great. Fear making others feel as though they're not. We should, we should leave that at the door, but you might not be able to get there today. That's okay. I'm going to at very least give you the path to greatness, and hopefully one day you'll agree that you should be great, all right, as you take this path. And it's a little bit easier of an entry point than just agreeing with what I just said, so hopefully this will help. Holy Ghost, help me. Uh, but the path to greatness in the kingdom is servanthood. It's servanthood, okay? And so, the, but the reality is, you have, this is my point. This is my whole point today. You serve, and the end of your path of servanthood is greatness. So we got this thing where, like, I'm going to serve, and I'm going to make sure I never do anything great or get credit for anything because that would mean I'm not a servant anymore. Well, Jesus didn't do it that way. His servanthood resulted in greatness, and we're going to get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself, but just so that you know, according to Jesus, you're actually supposed to be great. I'm going to read you Matthew 5, 14 through 16. We're going to have it on the screens for you, unless I missed it, Uh, and it's in the Passion Translation, and it says, your lives light up the world. This is Jesus talking. This is God. God is right about this. Yep, it's the highest form of arrogance to, call, to tell God he's wrong, by the way. That's real pride right there. No, God, you're wrong about me. I'm not to die for. I am not great. I am not the lie of the world. That's pride. Not the other thing. Your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Who would light a lamp and put a basket over it? You've heard that? Yeah? We got a bunch of basket-headed Christians. Basket heads. 
I got a light. I'm going to let it shine, but it's this little light, and I don't want anyone really to see it, so. Uh-huh. Yeah. Jesus keeps going. Instead, it's placed the light. It's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. <laughs> so don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them. And they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. Let your good works shine before men so that they may praise your Father in heaven, right? That means you got to have good works. That means you got to do good stuff. That means you got to be good at something. Hello? See, we think, oh, I don't want to be seen as good at anything. I don't want, we don't clap for the worship team because that'll give them, you know, that'll inflate their ego. We don't, you know, whatever. But listen, man, nobody turns on a light and stares at the light. No one turns on a light and looks at the light bulb like, oh, I'm so glad that light is on. That actually hurts to look at the light. Have you ever turned on the lights in your house? You walk in your house, turn on the lights, and you just stare at the light bulbs like, I'm so glad I did that just now. No, you turn on a light, and everyone's able to see the room. Everyone's able to see the house. Everyone's able to have a clear path for their life. Your good works are supposed to do that. You got to have some to do it, though. And listen, I know, you're like, well, what about humility, humbleness? Yeah, true humility, I've said this plenty of times, true humility actually requires greatness. You can't be humble about doing nothing. It says humble yourself. That means there's a reason to humble yourself. That means you did something awesome, and you're not supposed to brag about it. A homeless man doesn't have to humble himself. He's humbled by his circumstances. A rich man, a successful man, a powerful woman, they need to humble themselves. They need to be intentional about not bragging about their exploits, just letting them shine so that others can see. Are you following me? There's a path here. God is not against your greatness. He's concerned with the path to get there. God is not against you being great. He's concerned with how you get there. Amen? Are you okay? I'm taking it easy and slow here. And this is actually really important when it comes to church and church structure and things like that. So I'm going to get a little bit, uh, I'm going to explain a little bit about who we are and why the resting place is the way the resting place is. Uh, It's because Jesus, I I looked at the words of Jesus and then designed our church structure. That's what I did. I went, okay, how does, if I'm going to lead a church, how does Jesus say we should lead? And then I took that and made a model out of it. Sounds like a good idea, right? For, unfortunately, it's kind of opposite to most church models I've ever heard of. So, just, sorry, but it is. Matthew 20, verse 25 through 28. You know this passage, but if you learned anything in our last series, don't be overly familiar. Let's hear it with new ears today. This is when uh, the two sons come and they bring their mama and they're like, tell Tell us, you know, mama, make him tell us that I'll sit on his right and he'll sit on the left. We'll be at his right and left hand. They get their mom involved. They really wanted it done. You really want something done, you get your mom involved, right? Come on. The sons of Zebedee, they, they pulled our mama into it. And Jesus said to them after they were bickering about this because the other disciples were upset. The other disciples were the Western church saying, how dare you want to be great? But this passage is, it's void of any rebuke from God. It's void of any, no, you shouldn't want that. He, instead of saying, don't desire greatness, he says, here's how you get great. 
Do you hear how this is twisted? He says, oh, you want to be great? Awesome. This is how you become great. The point is we're supposed to be great. (laughs) There's a path to greatness, but greatness is the end of the path. It's supposed to do awesome things. You know, we're actually, the Gentiles are supposed to provoke the Jews to jealousy. How are we doing with that? Yeah. You want to talk about successful people? They're probably Jewish. (laughs) I mean, go do some research. Anyway, so there's all this bickering about that. And then it says, Jesus, knowing their thoughts. I love that. He had a word of knowledge. Called them to his side and said, kings and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects. That's the word Lord over. We're going to focus on that. Like tyrants, but this is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. The greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others. Did you hear that? We've, we've heard this wrong for a long time. The greatest one among you will be the one who's called to serve others. The path to greatness is servanthood. Because the greatest honor and authority, hello, are you listening, is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. So when you serve, you're, you're attracting honor. And Proverbs, it actually says humility comes before honor. That means humility is, true humility is on the path to being honored. But this is what happens. We serve, we serve, and then honor comes, and we say, oh, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Nope, I don't want any credit. No, 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 don't, don't honor me. Don't give me anything. Don't reward me, blah, blah, blah. And God is like, uh, okay, fine. I'll just keep it with me, and I'll give it to somebody else who wants it. You know what I mean? Like, the greatest honor And authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. Isn't that amazing? And so this, out of the helps word study, this word Lord over is, I can't say it in the Greek, that. And it actually means exercise decisive control downward. As an owner with full jurisdiction. Now, I need you to think about this. Jesus literally said, don't you dare rule from the top down. Don't you dare have the guy at the top, and then the two, and then the four, and then the five, and then the... I just showed you most church structures. It's the CEO worldly model of ruling. And everybody serves the pastor. Serves the pastor's vision. Jumps when he says jump. They say how high. When, yeah. Exercise divisive, decisive control downward. He, Jesus said, don't you dare lead this way from the top down. Don't you dare do it. You'll lead by a different model. Yeah. So let me just read you something I wrote because I really wanted to say all of this. Sometimes I get lost in the, the pool of stuff in here, you know. The things running through my head. I got this Rolodex of of scripture and stuff that just kind of shotguns you. I'm sorry about that. But I actually had an awesome opportunity this week, which this is just a commercial here. Side note, you should do this. I actually spent 48 hours in silence on a mountain in Pennsylvania. It was incredible. It was a silent retreat. I got to speak at a silent retreat. Yeah, I know. That sounds funny. I know. 
I opened it and then closed it, you know, just took us into silence and then brought us out, you know. But I participated in the silence, and I was, I went straight Huckleberry Finn. I was in the woods by myself, like four and a half hours, running around, just, I literally climbed a waterfall. I did. I just, I, it was dangerous, but whatever. It's like my 10-year-old boy came out. Anyway, I'm, I'm promoting it because it cleared my brain fog, man. It cleared this crazy, like, fogginess, stillness, man. I got a revelation of that verse, be still and know I am God, right? I actually, let me just tell you, this is not my message, but you, need, you apparently need to hear it. You can't know he's God till you're still. Be still and know. That's, that's the program. Until you're still, you won't know. You wonder why you freak out when things happen? You're not still enough. You're not knowing that he is God. Ha-ha. Amen. Commercial over. Back to my sermon. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I wrote this. Our church structures in recent history have been ruled from the top down. In order to see a difference in our community, we have to try a different model. TRP, the resting place, has a bottom-up leadership philosophy. Listen closely. I am nobody's covering. I am nobody's covering because I am nobody's ceiling. I am not going to rule from the top down. I am nobody's covering. I am a foundation piece designed to provide support. That's what I am. That's what my wife and I are. Any leader in this house or anyone who wants to be a leader needs to know this is the plan. Support, not control. Support, not control. That is the plan. This is difficult. This is a difficult model, y'all. Much easier to control people. A lot easier. So much easier. Tell people what to do and they do it. Easy. They stop doing it, you fire them. Bring on new people. Easy. But it doesn't advance the kingdom. It's sometimes messy. Because it's just like, okay, I'm going to support you and I'm not going to close my hand on you. I'm just going to support you. And if you, here's the edge of the foundation. If you run too far this way, you're going to fall off and get hurt. And all I can do is tell you not to do that. But you have the freedom to run to the edge and get hurt. <laughs> there are boundaries to a foundation, you know. Like there's, yeah. This is the kingdom path to greatness, servanthood. The church is actually built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ as the chief cornerstone. That's Ephesians 2.20. So I don't know why we've taken the idea of church leadership as foundation pieces and put it on the ceiling, because if we did that with this building, we took this foundation and put it on the roof, what would happen? Uh, yeah, yeah, most of your church experiences would happen. Crushing, burnout, depression, anger, pain. Yeah, I'm too heavy for you to support. I got no problem telling you the truth. Don't try. I'm too heavy. I support you. You don't sit under my teaching. My teachings come underneath you and support you through your life. You don't serve my vision. I serve you in what God has inspired you to do. I give you an opportunity. And I, I hope to inspire you towards the vision God has for our region. That's the deal. I'm taking pains with this because it's, it's quite radical. Unfortunately... 
If God does want to do it. The path to greatness is servanthood. Philippians 2, 5 through 9. It actually, uh, this was my first tattoo. If you're upset with tattoos and, and you don't stand when the gray-haired man walks in the room, then I got problems with you, okay? Same book, same law. Uh-huh. Sorry, that just felt good to say. This says Froneo Cristal. Uh, there are more weirder ones like don't, never mind. I'm not, nope, nope, nope. This one's not so weird. Don't wear clothing with two types of threads in it. You're all lawbreakers right now. Just like my tattoos are lawbreaking. Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Amen. So this is from that verse, Philippians 2, 5 through 9. It says, Froneo Christau, it's Greek. It means attitude of Christ. Uh, I went to a camp that that was the theme of, and it marked my life. And I said, I want that. I want to have the attitude of Christ. And so I put it on my, right in front of me. I'm a guitar player. It's always there. It's right there, you know. And it's from this verse. This is amazing. This is amazing. It says, consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. We're talking about his mindset, the attitude, the froneo, the froneo cristal. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of that obedience, are you hearing this? Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. How does that work? I don't know. How do you multiply the greatness of God? I, I, don't, I don't know. Just, just being honest, that doesn't make any sense to my brain. But yeah, awesome. It's the truth. He multiplied his greatness. He has now been given the greatest of all names. Jesus <laughs> exited glory, paradise, to become one of you. Weak like you. God became a baby. God needed a mom to feed God. Have you thought about this, man? This is... If I were God, I would come out of heaven and have a big, awesome, like, horse and a, a robe, and I'd be, like, in my prime, you know, fully built, you know, swole from the gym. You know what I'm saying? But not sweaty. I took a shower, you know, and I would just ride in and be like, bam, I'm here. I'm awesome. I'm going to prove it to you. Everybody line up. Be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. That's what I would do. <laughs> Thank God I'm not God, right? It's... But God became an infant, exited the womb of a woman. I mean, What? In a time when there wasn't a lot of technology for birthing and stuff like that. Like, think about this, man. Crazy. Not only did the way he came, does that speak to it, but the way he lived his life, always. Every, every example in the Gospels. I need you. I need you to consider something, all right? I need you to consider a lifestyle. I have a lifestyle of remaining in the Gospels. I read the Gospels every day. I don't leave them. I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Sometimes I read one verse and it knocks me on the floor. Sometimes I read three chapters, whatever. But let me just encourage you, your quiet time, I, I mean, you should have some element of the life of Jesus in your quiet time. All right? I'm just saying. 
Like, I love the letters of Paul. I, Jamani and I were talking about this last night, and I was like, oh, I don't have anything from Paul's epistles in here. I was like, oh, no, Philippians, yes, I do. Okay. So it was like shocking to me, like, whoa, you know, because I'm, I'm obsessed with the writings of the New Testament. But the Gospels are paramount. The life of Jesus is, unless you see it and are experiencing it, then you won't be able to become it. You have to keep it in front of you. You know what I mean? So I just encourage you to do that. Because Jesus, in his whole life, and especially in a moment, I'm going to take you in just a minute, was an overseer who went underneath. So you could say, well, there's overseers in the church. Yeah, but there's a way they oversee. And it's not the way the world does it. And it was actually told by Jesus not to be from the top. Apparently, in the kingdom, you can see everything from the bottom. Apparently, in order to advance the kingdom properly, you need to see everything from the bottom. Soar like eagle's wings. We use a lot of verses to justify our our malfunction. (laughs) But there's actually no talk in the New Testament of covering from church leaders. Like, I'm your covering, things like that. It's nowhere in the scriptures. It doesn't exist. It only talks about head coverings during prayer. That's it. So is that what you mean? Like, I need to cover my head. I'm your covering. I need to, what? You know, pray with my hair, my head covered, women. I don't get it. Yeah. So let me just prove this to you. And this, I'm going to take you to the most radical moment in the New Testament. The most radical moment in the Gospels. John 13. You can turn there, but I'm going to have it for you. This is the, the example of Jesus when he washes their feet. You know this story, right? This is the most radical moment in the New Testament. And if you're going to be a leader, you need to learn this. You need to sit here. You need to think about it. You don't need to think about getting a title. You don't need to try and start something. You need to be a better foot washer. You need to learn to be a better foot washer. And honor and authority will be given you, and you'll use it from there. That's what we're supposed to be doing. It's what I'm endeavoring to do. Not perfect at it, but I'm trying. Trying to be an overseer who comes underneath and washes my team's feet. That's what I'm trying to do. This is wild. So Jesus knew the night before Passover would be his last night on earth before leaving this world to return to the Father's side. To return. Like, it's been 33 years. You know, he, came, he left the Father's side, came to the earth as a baby. 33 years later, he knows he's about to return to the Father's side. So just, just step, in, step into the story. I want you to step into this stuff. See it like a movie. How was Jesus feeling? He's going to the cross, but he also knows on the other side of the cross is the Father's side. You know what I mean? Like this is, I'd be an emotional wreck. I don't know how Jesus did it. You know what I'm saying? But knowing that he was, this would be his last night on earth before leaving this world to return to the Father's side. All throughout this time, his time with his disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. And now he longed to show them the full measure of his love. Say this with me. The full measure of his love. Okay. Okay. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus longs right now to show you the full measure of his love. That's a radical idea. He wants to show you. And there's a way that his his under shepherds, his leaders, are supposed to show you the full measure of his love. Before their evening meal had begun, the accuser had already planted betrayal in the heart of Judas Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, that's important. Don't go there. Go back. Go back. (laughs) Sorry. 
She's too good at her job. Uh, the heart of Jesus, Jesus, or I'm sorry, the Gospels chronicle for us that the betrayer had already entered Judas. Judas was already in agreement with the accuser. Judas was already on the path of betraying Jesus. This is before Jesus washes Judas' feet. Stick with this. Stick with this. Well, they hurt me. They betrayed me. Okay, get lower. They, it wasn't right. No, it wasn't. Wash their feet. Yep, I know. It's not easy to hear. Next slide. Now Jesus was fully aware that the Father had placed all things under his control. For he had come from God and was about to go back to be with him. God, he was fully aware. Say this with me. He was fully aware. That is, okay. He was fully aware that God had placed all things under his control. Next sentence. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer robe, took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' dirty feet and dry them with his towel. Some of you are getting this. He was, he became, I don't know if he became in that moment, but at this moment it declares that he was fully aware that he was in control. That everything was under his control. That everything, he was above all things. And what does he do with that revelation? He goes and does the dirtiest job in the room. He goes underneath. Jesus was an overseer who got underneath. And listen, this might hurt, but it's going to hurt good. It's okay. His words both pierce and heal. That's what they do. Your revelation of your authority will manifest in how well you serve others. Your life, how well you serve people around you, your spouse, your friends, your neighbors, will tell me how much revelation of authority you have. Using your authority, standing in the place of authority like we were singing, all that stuff. If you have any true revelation of how, uh, how amazing your seat is, it's going to look like serving the lowest of the low. It will not look like someone carrying your Bible. I would say you have very little revelation of your authority. It will not look like everybody doing everything you tell them to do. That's not a kingdom authority. That's a worldly authority superimposed on the church. I call it churchianity, and it's a bunch of bull. We have to do it a, diff we have to do it a different way. Like, this is important. Otherwise, let me just tell you, you're not advancing the kingdom if you're not leading this way. You're actually opposing it. True, the true path to greatness is servanthood. And the revelation of how authoritative you are, how if you feel like you know who you are in Christ, I have a revelation of my identity in Christ. Okay, well, it better manifest in how well you serve those around you. Otherwise, it's not a revelation. You know what revelation means, that word? It's actually the word apocalypse. I'm going to do a series sometime when I'm not scared anymore to do it. <clears throat> called, I'm just telling you where I'm at, man. I'm honest with you. I'm going to do a series called Apocalypse How? That's exactly what it's going to be called. That's what I'm going to do. He got it. He knows what I'm, yeah. 
The word apocalypse literally means, literally means to lift the veil. Revelation, the last book of the Bible, it means to lift up the veil so you can see. So if there's any lifting of the veil, if there's any, you can see how awesome you are in Christ. You can see what Christ has done for you. You can see your union with Christ. You can see your co-seatedness or whatever with Jesus. If you can see it and it doesn't result in serving, I would doubt that you actually see it at all. That's what I'm trying to say very gently and lovingly and yay, happy, happy Sunday. <laughs> Listen, it's practical. If you want to see the kingdom of God advance in your family, serve your spouse. Serve your kids. Stop commanding them to serve you and show them. Serve them. Serve them. In your workplace, you want the kingdom of God to advance in your workplace? Here's a crazy idea. Serve your coworkers. Hey, serve your boss. You know when it says serve your earthly masters, serve, you know, slaves serve your masters. Let me just help you real quick. That word slave is bond servant. And anyone who owed any debt in that day was considered working off the debt. They were considered a bond servant. They would be called a slave. Does anyone in here have any debt? Anyone? Has debt in your Okay. I'm talking about financial debt. A couple were honest. Good. Okay. You're all slaves. You're not free. You have to pay it off. And so when it says, slaves serve your earthly masters, we think, oh, that was just for that time. Like, we can't say that verse because, you know, well, no, you got to understand, in that time, anyone who owed a debt was working it off, and now it's what it meant to be enslaved. <laughs> so all of America is enslaved, you know, to somebody. J.P. Morgan and Chase, you know, somebody. Sorry, I shouldn't throw names, whatever. Anyway. So, when it says serve your earthly masters, not only uh, when they're looking, but when they're not looking. Let me get real practical. Quit playing on Facebook at work. Quit wasting time walking to your desk. Quit floating around and just having conversations that don't advance the vision of your workplace. Go do a good job for crying out loud. Do something awesome so that your boss calls you in and say, you are the hardest working, most humble person in our organization. Can I give you a raise? Can I, can I give you more authority? Can I give you a, a higher position? I guarantee you that is what's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen... You're, you'll be given grace for that because if they don't, I know there's situations where you do everything you can, you give it all, and they still don't. It's called a fallen world, and they might not know Jesus. That's okay. It doesn't matter. You're not called to lead them any other way. If you want, listen, if you want the kingdom of God to advance, if that's your goal, then you have to go low. You have to go low. You have to serve. If you want to do great things for God, start by serving your neighbor. You want to take on the mission field? Take on the mission field of your neighborhood. Help someone with their lawn. If you have skills to help with housework, help with housework. I don't have, I'm not a carpenter guy, whatever. But if you got those skills, walk around your neighborhood. Say, hey, I got a couple hours today. You need anything fixed? I'm trying to get real practical here. You know what I mean? Because this is what Jesus has done. Buy your neighbor's groceries. Now, some of you bake amazing, delicious things. Bake cookies for your neighborhood. And don't tell them why. Just say, hey, I wanted to make some cookies for you. Here they are. 
And please don't say, and I go to the resting place, and I want you to attend. Please follow me. Uh, no. Please don't do that. Don't even wear your I am the resting place t-shirt when you go. Please, just leave it at home. Uh, this is not a marketing strategy. This is a kingdom advancement strategy. It's important. Listen. Let me tell you a story really quickly. I was at uh, Voice of the Apostles. It was a conference in Orlando. And there were all these amazing people there. And one of them was Heidi Baker, who is an apostle. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Planted over a thousand churches. Feeds thousands of orphans every day. Has seen the blind eyes open, dead raised, all of it. All the signs of an apostle. If she is not an apostle, then apostles don't exist today. Uh-huh. If you're upset with that, listen to last week's message. It'll tick you off even more. So, uh, uh, Yep. I was at this conference, and her husband was speaking, and she just got absolutely wildly intoxicated in the Holy Spirit. Like, her husband's message messed her up. I, that is just like, that's honor. I mean, because she knows all his junk, you know what I mean? And still, still, you know? And so... She is, like, trying to leave the room because she's like, has to go get um, into another part in the conference center. And she's, like, asking for help. But everyone else is so sloppy, like, wrecked by God, crying or laughing. They, they just they can't even get up to help her. She's like, someone help me. I need to go over there. Seriously, I'm not kidding. Day of Pentecost, they were acting drunk, too. They were actually acting drunk, by the way. Nobody asks you know, why are you acting drunk if you ain't acting drunk? All right. So anyway, I wasn't so whatever I was encountering God in my own way. Hallelujah. I wasn't feeling those things. So I just, I was like, hey, Heidi, I'll help you. She goes, ah, Baker. Just like that. I'm like, okay. So Heidi Baker puts her arm over my shoulder and lets me walk her like this. I'm like walking Heidi Baker. She's like, you know, if you ever seen Heidi, Baker, she's like, oh, you know, doing all this really weird stuff. And I'm just like, it's all very new for me. So I'm like, okay, crazy lady, come on. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm thinking, you know. But I'm not being a scoffer. I'm like, hey, I don't know what that is, but hallelujah, you know, whatever. And so I'm walking her. I've since had encounters like that, just so you know. It's very real. Anyway, I'm walking her and everything, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I should probably ask a few questions <laughs> while I have this captive audience here, you know. I love Jesus. I want to advance the kingdom. This is like a titan, a general of the faith that is having trouble walking. I'm going to ask a few questions. You know, and I told her, I said, Heidi, you know, this is amazing. I, I love what God is doing with the spirit. I didn't grow up in this atmosphere or whatever. And I said, I feel called to the church in America. I feel called. I used some uh, specific terms in that day. I'm not going to, whatever. I don't want to bash any denominations or whatever, but I'll tell you the gist of it. I said, I feel called to all the religious, legalistic, crazy um, people who think the Spirit of God doesn't move anymore. I feel called to them. How do I take this to them? And listen, I'm slowing the story down just a little bit here because you need to get the impact. This woman has been shot at stoned like with with rocks not the other thing you know not with the plant with the rocks she's been hit with rocks okay almost to the point of death she's been put in jail she's been shipwrecked she's I mean she's gone through it okay and when I said I feel called to the western 
religious church. She has one of those pillows you put on your neck for the plane ride. And she starts hitting me with it. She goes, oh, thank you, God. You didn't give me that call. Thank you, Lord. And I'm like... She's hitting me. I'm trying to carry her. I'm like, what? Oh, no. And I'm like, come again? She's like, oh, help him, Lord. And she's like, she looks at me. He said, you're going to need every help, all the help you can get. Help him, Lord. She's like hitting me in the face with her pillow. I'm like, walk, you know. That was encouraging, you know. I feel really fired up and encouraged. I feel like I can do this. Nah, the opposite happened. <laughs> and then she said something once she got done blessing me. Um, yeah. <laughs> Some blessings don't feel like blessings, all right? But it was a blessing. She looked at me and I said, okay, but... Practically, I, I said, but, but practically, what do I do? You know, like, we're still walking. We're not to the destination yet. I was like, what do I do? And this woman, quick as a whip, totally sober, straight face, looks me in the eyes and goes, you stay low and you go slow. And then she's like, ha! <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, stay low, go slow. Okay, so I have been... That has been my life leadership model. Stay low and go slow. It ain't easy. All right? All my leaders will tell you that it doesn't, it's not rainbows and butterflies around here all the time. Okay? Sometimes it really stinks. But that's where the fertilizer is. That's where things grow. It's called holy crap. And it takes spreading that around real even to actually grow something healthy. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. Stay low and go slow. Say that with me. Let's stay low and go slow. That's the path to greatness. That is how you become great. That's how you do great things. That's how you start a church and within nine months buy a building. I mean, that's how you do it. You stay low and you go slow. You, be, you love people. Be patient. Don't apologize for joy ever again. My mother just got whacked with a joy bomb and she's apologizing for it. <laughs> Crazy lady. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> stay low, go slow. Say with me one more time. Stay low, go slow. That's how peace will reign in the earth. That's how the kingdom of God will advance. That's how you're supposed to serve your family and your neighborhood. And our serve teams here, everyone that's serving, we had, I don't know what, the, I meant to count this morning. We had like 30 plus people serving all of you this morning to put this on. It's a big deal. All right? And we're going to have a serve team ministry fair where you can, if you, while I'm talking, you know you have a gift or you know you have a talent. This isn't manipulation. This is the Lord being strategic. And you're supposed to serve the earth, the kingdom, this house. Today's the day to get more information on that. 
okay? Because our serve teams actually exist as a safe place of empowerment for your everyday life. Basically, you can practice servanthood here in a safe place so that it's easier out there in a not-so-safe place. Are you with me? We're going to put you in proximity to really healthy foundation pieces, really healthy support systems, and we have them. Anyone on a serve team here will tell you our leadership is awesome. Not me. I'm saying the directors. You know what I mean? Heather Turnahan, Jimmy Borrego, all these people, Gigi, Kimberly. I'm just telling you, these people are amazing, okay? And so they're set in place because they have a heart to serve as well. So we want to serve you, but you have to get on a team to be served and to serve. It's a cyclical thing. Does that make sense? Okay. So the other thing is by serving the house, you actually advance the vision of the house. We want, we want to end some stuff in Tampa. We're going to end human trafficking in my lifetime. We're going to solve the foster care debacle in my lifetime. We're going to end some stuff. Impact requires influence. That means we need to grow. And I'd just love to break it to you. I've been I'm following a plan, even right now, that if we are 75 to 80% full for four weeks in a row, we're going to multiple gatherings. Today is the fourth week. We're going to multiple gatherings. I'll tell you, the date will be announced probably the end of June or the beginning of, the, of July. So straight up, we got to double our serve teams because we got to do this twice. So come on. Who wants to be great? You want to be great? Time to serve. Time to serve. Don't sit on the sidelines. The path to greatness is clear. I think I've made it plain for you. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out theRestingPlaceTampa.com.